0: We tried it again on a show called Pagosa, which was done on a series called Romance. And uh, we used the same understated, blunt, somewhat laconic style. And uh, again, we liked it. We thought it was a good way to do a Western. Bill Conrad was in that. He played uh, a man called Jeff Spain. As a matter of fact, I've always referred to Pagosa as Jeff Spain, which it was not. You might say experiment number two or three on this new
1: style. A few minutes later, Spain rides out of town, taking the trail towards the chaparral where Cy Quill is waiting for him. There in the shade, they pass the afternoon in talk. Late that night, a pair of riders running off the desert, put their horses in Teal Travis' stable, and walk back to the kettle house, where in Spain's room, they make their final plans, and then go quietly to bed. Next morning, they come out of the hotel and head for the district attorney's office.
2: Race, this is my partner, Cy Quill. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Quill? Howdy. You still want to appoint me sheriff of Pagosa? Then you've decided? Yeah. Where's the badge? Right here. Good. I got one out for Cy. I just made him my deputy. What? Give him a badge. I'm not new at this game, Reese, and I always appoint my own men. Well, um, all right. If you insist. Now go down to the sheriff's office and fire whoever's in there. Get him out by noon. I'll take over then.
3: Now just a minute, Spain. I'm not used to being
2: ordered around... I can't my... fire your man. Tell him to turn loose any prisoners he's got in there. I don't like another man's leavings. <laughs>
4: 1951, Norman McDonald and John Meston were working on multiple projects at CBS and continuing their refinement of the radio western. On August 6, the series Romance broadcast a western named Pagosa, which starred William Conrad in the title role of Jeff Spain. MacDonald approached CBS Brass about the possibility of doing a Jeff Spain series. His timing was right. CBS had the title for a series in mind, Gunsmoke. Two audition programs were recorded in the middle of 1949 with a title character named Mark Dillon.
5: Gunsmoke.
6: Gunsmoke. The story of the violence that moved westward with young America. The story of one man who moved with it. Mark Dillon, United States Marshal. They all
2: drifted here to Dodge City, one time or another. The Buffalo Killers, the Saddle Bums, the Spoilers. It's the end of the track and the start of the wilderness. The dumping ground of odds and ends and beginnings and leftovers. It's a place to stop and take the
1: kind of pleasure you need. It's a place to pass through and sometimes
2: a place to die. My part of it was a sun-baked shack. Rent paid by the United States...
4: Neither government. sold. And a Marshal's badge. Furnished free CBS gave McDonnell and Meston one week to put production together.
0: We had a week's notice to put a show together and get it on the air. And in that week, we had to find a writer, star, have a theme, a Gunsmoke theme composed. So it was a busy week. We got Walter Brown Newman to come in one of the better writers in town. We gave him an acetate disc of Pagosa, and I believe of Wild Jack Rhett, and said, this is the style, this is the color, this is the feel. Laid out no other guidelines except told him how we felt Matt Dillon should be written and the kind of character he was, and sent Walter away. That was on a Monday. There remained the problem, of course, the enormous problem of finding a star CBS executives, of course, were hoping for a big name. I do remember that we there was a young actor from Pasadena who uh, had some name at that time, Robert Stack. If I
4: remember correctly,
0: Ray Burr auditioned.
4: By the early 1950s, William Conrad, was one of radio's busiest men.
0: I think when they started casting for it,
2: somebody said, good Christ, let's don't get Bill Conrad. We're up to you-know-where with Bill Conrad. So they did not get Bill Conrad. They auditioned everybody in town. And as a last resort, they called me and said, okay, we give up. Come on in. (laughs) And I went in and uh, uh, read about two lines, and they said, okay, thank you. And I walked out, and the next day they called me and said, you have the job.
4: McDonald and Meston were determined to bring a realistic Western to radio. I think Meston and I were more enthusiastic about Conrad
0: than the executives because Bill was considered a heavy at that time. he just finished The Killers in feature pictures, and everybody considered him a heavy. And of course, he was a marvelous heavy. The CBS executives were a little concerned that William Conrad heavy extraordinaire would be playing our lead Matt Dillon. The other characters were not set and no contracts were drawn because nobody had yet decided who would be playing with Bill. It just developed that Howard McNair played the doctor who became a running character. Farley Bear played Chester who became a running character. Georgia Ellis was in one of the first shows but Kitty wasn't actually
4: invented until uh, Oh, perhaps eight or ten shows into the series. Set in Dodge City, Kansas, Gunsmoke's main character, Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, was to be unlike any Western on-air predecessor. Meston had grown up in Colorado and worked as a cowboy on a family ranch.
7: Well, I don't like phony stuff, and and, uh, I knew something about the West, sure. The way people are, the way they talk, the way they behave. I never liked heroes much, so we kind of reversed everything. I tried to do it while we did with narration, which was sort of an innovation, I think, at the time. We well, tried to make him honest, just an honest, not a cook like like Wyatt Earp, a guy with a sense of tragedy. The guy didn't particularly enjoy the job. But then it took a, quite a while because, you know, we, we put, you know, Walter put Chester in, we had to work, to work on him a great deal for a long time. And, Kitty and Doc had to develop, and Matt had to develop, and we did this over a long period of time. We worked very closely uh, in radio. I was there all the time. I'm always hired. We're very best actors, no question of that. They couldn't lead a line. They'd, They'd let me know with great pleasure, and they're generally right.
4: Native American characters and relationships were portrayed in a more accurate
7: way. Well, as I recall, I've been told, we were about the first show that treated Indians as human beings, not just redskins and the only good Indians and bad ones, and so on. A number of shows about that, and intermarriage. I think we, we, the Indians before that, as I remember, that wasn't around much before that. They were treated in the old, the old way, you know, just... I think Gunsmoke was probably, I've heard understand, it the first show that really changed us somewhat. Oh, I, like the, the white man, the way really he treated the Indians, was national disgrace, still is.
4: Dylan was a complex, flawed man in an extremely difficult situation. Gunsmoke's storylines were to be character-driven, with lean, tense dialogue patterns.
3: There was no Matt Dillon. That was a figment of the writer's imagination but uh, you'll get a lot of fights from a lot of people who will tell you that they know that there was. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I've uh, had several arguments with people about it who say that they know for a fact that their grandfather was related to him or something of the sort. The writer, John Meston, and the producer, Norman MacDonald, were very meticulous in seeing that everything was as authentic as they could possibly make it. They took complete and deliberate time in setting up the sound effects, which was probably one of the secrets of the show's success. We tried to make everything as honest as we possibly could. That's probably why it had that sweet smell of success to it, because everybody tried far beyond the call of their normal duty.
4: Ray Kemper and Tom Hanley were brought in as sound effects artists. Before the series began, they spent two days firing and recording various caliber pistols and rifles. The result? was the first truly realistic sound of gunshots on radio. George Walsh, who years earlier had been the announcer on Death Valley Days, became one of Gunsmoke's chief announcers.
1: I became a challenge, I think, to the two sound men that were assigned to the program then, Ray Kemper and Tom Hanley. And as I remember, it was around the 4th of July because they had a firecracker. And during the middle commercial of the dress rehearsal, they decided they were going to shoot off this firecracker. (laughs) Well, as anybody who's ever been on the air can understand, my only concern was not their firecracker. My only concern was how I could read that middle commercial and make it sound like I was at a regular pace, but I was really killing time, so I'd have some time to play with when we got on the air. And they shot off the firecracker, and I just went right on. I think this may have impressed Norm MacDonald a little bit, because he was kind of surprised that it didn't stop me.
4: Rex Corey composed the music. It gave me a wide scope in which
8: to operate musically, and it put demands on the musicians we had, because we had to produce tonal effects to suit the situation. And uh, again, it became a wonderful challenge, because you had such a wide latitude in which to work.
4: Initially, McDonald and Meston thought Matt Dillon would be the only continuing character. But once CBS greenlit the series, they realized Dylan would need regular acquaintances. Given a Saturday at 5 p.m. time slot, Gunsmoke took to the air on April 26,
2: 1952. Around Dodge City, in the territory on West.
6: The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal.
2: Wanted for murder.
8: Wanted for murder. Clay Richards. Clay Richards.
2: Age 31. Height 6 feet. Eyes brown, hair red. Eyes brown, hair
8: red. Hey, how'd you like me to print his picture on these notices? I got a woodcut. Well, let me show you. Ernie! Yep. Yeah? That's your marshal a copy of that front page. Interviewing Clay's wife yesterday, I noticed a chin type on the mantel. Their wedding photograph. So, first thing you know, I snitched it.
2: That's very thoughtful.
8: Yeah. Oh, I'll take it, Ernie.
2: And
8: here. And then I propped it up in front of me and carved me this woodcut. Ain't she prime? Ain't she just elegant? Real elegant. Good likeness, don't you think? Of course, he was seven or eight years younger with
2: him. Yeah, it's a good likeness. Doesn't show what makes a law-abiding man like him try to rob a bank. Doesn't look like a man who murdered an old cashier and a Chinese cook who just happened to be there. But But it's it's a a good likeness. Yes,
8: sir, it is. A picture like this
2: sure dresses up the front page, don't it? Yeah, it's a little masterpiece, Mr. Hightower. A notable contribution to the culture of our City. Well, thank you, Marshal. Does fetch the eye, don't it?
8: I'm printing an extra 500 copies of the weekly, and I bet I sell them all. Too bad the cashier's shot went wild. If he'd managed to kill Clay or even wing him, why, I bet I could sell a thousand extra copies. We must be thankful for the blessings we do receive,
2: Mr. Hightower.
8: Oh, I am, Marshal, I am. Why, just before it happened yesterday afternoon, I didn't know
2: what I was going to fill my columns with, and then, like manna from heaven, two murders and a bank robbery. Attempted bank robbery, Mr. Hightower. He turned and ran before he got his hands on so much as a dollar. Yes. Still, as you say, like manna.
8: Dylan, I... I'm
2: talking business. What is it, Chester?
8: Well, it's Wade, I guess, Mr. Dillon.
2: Yeah, print Clay's picture on those notices, Mr. Hightower. Now, where were we? Uh,
8: eyes brown, hair red.
2: Oh, yes. Also known as Red, Bricktop, and Sorrel. Mm-hmm. He uh, didn't answer to no other nicknames, did he?
8: No, that's what they called him.
2: All right, then in big letters, $400 reward. Dead. And at the bottom, apply Matt Dillon, Marshall, Dodge City. Mm-hmm. And I print 200 copies. How soon can I send Chester over for him? Uh, this afternoon. Good morning, Mr. Hightower. Chester.
8: Think those posters will do any good? Richards is probably over the line into Oklahoma or Colorado, but now... That Strawberry Roan of his is the fastest in the county. He has
2: no money. He panicked and ran out of the bank before he got a penny. I think he'll try to get help from his wife or brother or a friend the first chance he has. Maybe tonight. I say he's around here somewhere. I, uh... I'm sorry I turned on you. Why,
8: that's all right, Mr. Dillon. Out all night with the posse, no sweet man's bound to get touchy. No, it's not
2: that. It's, it's the, the way... It's the way people use a thing like this. The men riding posse last night, they enjoyed it as though they were hunting fox or possum. Hightower back there, he acts like it was a birthday treat specially gotten up for him. Everybody finds a way to use it. What was it you wanted to tell me
8: hmm? oh I, I got a kid a, a little boy locked up in the cell oh. run away from home back in Cottonwood Ed Slade turned him over to me when he come through on the stagecoach just now kid about 12 years old who's is he with a woman Miss Bonnie she runs a boarding house in Cottonwood Ed says kid's always running away a little while guess he flagged Ed for a ride on the road halfway between there and here Soon as Ed seen him stand there with his bundle on his shoulder, he knowed what he was up to. So he told the kid he'd help him and then turn him
2: over to us when he got there. All right, we'll send a telegram to the mother to come fetch him. Well, come on in, Chester, and shut the door. Mr. Dillon? You're letting in every horse fly in Kansas. Mr.
8: Dillon, I think you better cancel the order for them notices. What? The Dutchman's coming up the street, and he's leading a strawberry roan, and Clay Richards is draped across his back
2: like a sack of wheat across the saddle. Last time I saw him, two days ago, he was standing at the bar laughing his head off. A sack of wheat across the saddle. And followed by half the saloon bums and loafers in town. All right, Chester, make him keep back.
5: All right, now stand back, you fellas. Come on now, back. back.
0: Ziegler?
2: How did it happen, Ziegler?
0: My goat, my old billy goat, he
5: pushes open the fence last night and runs away. Forget
2: your goat. What about Clay?
5: Guy, I, I tell you. This morning, I go to look for a goat. I, I walk here, there. Near the river, I see Clay. He sits there. I say, hello, Clay. The gate. Dirty Dutchman. You know the dog? Clay yeah. hey, was your best friend. He helped you buy your farm so you killed him for all of you... Keep back, everybody. Didn't Clay? Me? No, no. My brother, he was like... We was in the war together. Peter, Listen. You killed him for the war. Not so. I killed nobody. No, not since Gettysburg. Clay is dead already when I find him. I don't even own a pistol. Ziegler, inside, quick. Yeah, yeah.
2: Chester, give me a hand with Clay.
7: All right, all of you. Listen up.
2: Shut up! I will not tolerate a disturbance. You know me. I got him, Chester. Take his leg. Uh-huh. <clears throat> All right, kick the door. Shut.
5: Marshall, I don't
2: Play. On this table, Chester. What'd you do with Clay's gun? His holster's empty.
5: Gun? Clay's? I ain't got it. I don't even
8: own
2: one. Just to see if it slipped out. His holster
8: was empty coming up the street. First thing I noticed.
5: Maybe it's over on the... Another customer? Why, that's three in less than a day. Oh, bountiful harvest. My fees this month will keep me in luxury. In luxury!
2: Doc, I uh, want to have an inquest as soon as possible.
5: Well, as soon as I finish the autopsy. Shouldn't take long with a practice I've had this week, huh? <laughs> no. Hey, late afternoon, all right with you? I'll take him up to my office right now. <laughs> no, thank you, Chester. I can carry him all by myself here. You just open the door there like a good fella. And... Oh, oh uh-huh. 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 Yeah, Marshal, tell the city fathers... I'd like to make a deal when the corpses are as famous as this one. (laughs) Back in 53 in San Francisco, the fellow I knew earned a fortune, exhibiting the head of Joaquin Marietta. Tell them if they'll let me keep the remains, I'll do the autopsies for nothing.
2: Shut the door, Chester. Ziegler, where is it you met Clay on the river? By the fort. This side by the fort. Ride out there, Chester, and see if you can find Clay's gun. Maybe he dropped it when he was shot. I did not shoot, good. Sure. I did not. I had no reason to. I did
5: not. I did not. Now, you listen
2: to me. Maybe you think Dodge has got so big, I don't know about everything that goes on here. Well, if you do, you're wrong. If you think I don't know about the bank having an overdue mortgage on your farm, you're wrong. $400 is reason enough for a struggling farmer like you. No.
5: could not do such a thing. I, I am a human being.
2: To a peace officer, Ziegler, that's enough grounds for suspicion. But whether you did it or not, we decided at your trial. In the meantime, you just stop yammering about it. Trial me? Even when I shoot somebody, I stand trial if they find it's justifiable homicide, and they probably will. Clay being a wanted man, then they'll let you off. And if not,
5: please, I am permitted to go now. Go? Are you crazy? I found this stock. I, I must look after you it. You
2: sit right down. You want to be lynched? You're trying to get yourself murdered. Have you forgotten about Clay's brother, Adam? What difference does it make whether he believes it or not? His brother's been killed. Everybody's looking to him to do something about it, and he knows it. You want me to guess where he is right this minute? He's in one of them saloons, lapping up courage to come in here and ask me to give you to him for a present. You want to know who's with him? Ever loafer, ever bum, ever slob in town. Slapping him on the back and telling him what a shame it is. Taking him on to kill you so that they can have some excitement and some fun. Well, maybe you deserve killing, but it's my job to uphold the law, and I'm not letting you out of here.
8: What? I tell you,
2: you might not... spend your time trying to think up a better story. That is, if you intend to stay in this town. All right, now think back. Didn't Clay go for his gun before you shot him? I tell you, I didn't. If I'm not under arrest, you have no right to keep me here. I got to look after my farm. I go. All right, Chester, lock
8: him up. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Come on
2: now, up. Step out, sonny. This cage is bespoke. Who's in there, Chester? Yeah, that little
8: old runaway from Cottonwood?
2: Oh. <laughs> hey, come over here, son. Come over here to me. I know who you are. <laughs> you do, do you?
9: You bet. You're Matt Dillon.
2: <laughs> I'm guilty.
9: I know you right off. He just pointed out to me one day back home. Filler says you was the fastest gun thrower in camp.
2: <laughs> Wyatt Earp wouldn't be awful interested to hear that, I'm afraid.
9: Filler says you was faster than Older. Faster than Wild Bill Hickok and Hay City and Fat and Masterson or any of them. How many fellas have you killed?
2: You don't keep scores, son. It's something you try to forget.
9: Not me. Someday I'll be famous like you, and for every filler I kill, I'll I'll put a notch on my gun. People will see those notches, and they'll know they'd better not try. Why'd you run away
2: from home, bub? Don't you know your mother's likely to worry
9: about oh, you? Oh, she won't worry. She's too busy working. You ain't gonna make me go back, are you? you wouldn't do that, would you? Well... Because it wouldn't stop me for long. I'd only run away again.
2: Oh, where are you off to in such a sweat?
9: Oh, Texas, California, Mexico. The fellow can accomplish things there, not like living in old cottonwood. If you let me go, someday when I'm famous, you can tell people you helped get me started.
2: <laughs> well, well that's, that's a pretty strong inducement. Um, I'll have to think about it for a while. And uh, look, uh, while I'm making up my mind, I, I want you to give me your word. The word of a man who'll be famous someday that uh, he won't try to run away from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to have Chester lock you up again.
9: Oh, I'll shake on that.
2: <laughs> good, good. Uh, yeah, Chester... I want you to go look for Clay's gun. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. And uh, on the way, stop off and send that uh, telegram. You know. Hmm. Oh, that telegram. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Dillon.
8: I'll Where's Ziegler?
7: Right
8: All right, Chester. Go ahead. Yes,
6: sir, Mr. Dillon. Where's that murdering dog? Oh, there you are, you. Not a for... single step further, Adam. I want him, Dillon. He murdered Clay, shot him down without giving him a chance. How do you know? Because Clay wouldn't have let anyone catch him off guard except a friend. A uh, friend. Now, Dylan, give me that Dutchman. Try to take him. Just like that? It's like that. And it's true what the fellas say. You made a deal with the Dutchman to give him the reward and protect him if he would kill Clay for you.
2: That was the deal, was it?
6: yeah. The fellows say why I'd make such a deal. Dylan, it ain't no longer a secret around town that you and Francie want each other. But Clay was in the way. You had him killed so you could get his wife. Do you deny it?
2: No. No. It'll serve as well as any other crazy story to work you up. You think you're safe
5: behind that star, don't you?
6: Well, Clay have friends, lots of them. I'm coming back with them
5: friends, and we'll get the Dutchman and you and anyone else who tries to stop us. All right,
8: Adam. I'll be waiting.
5: Yeah.
2: You wait.
9: I almost seen something pretty just then, didn't I, Mr. Dillon?
2: Yeah, almost. I another pint of whiskey ought to do it.
4: CBS actively shopped the series during the show's first season on the air. Ten writers produced 53 scripts. Meston wrote 16 of them before quitting his staff job as CBS editor to become a full-time freelance gunsmoke scriptwriter.
0: Billy the Kid was the first show by Walter Brown Newman. It received. Good reports, but nobody was quite sure upstairs whether we had a hit or a miss because our leading man didn't sound like a leading man. though Conrad was not playing that as a warm, understanding, paternal figure whatsoever.
4: No race or sex was totally virtuous or evil, and the plight of women on the frontier was a frequent theme, especially in scripts written by Marion Clark and Kathleen Height. In the field of adventure, one new program has caused
6: more comment and excitement in recent weeks than any entertainment series in many seasons. Variety, in their review, used such words as first-rate, high-level,
2: suspense, and excitement. These words have not been confined to trade papers. Popular magazines and newspapers have added their own accolades. For here is a mature, adult, blazing western that tops them all. CBS Radio is proud
6: to present this brief segment of Gunsmoke.
2: Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Mm-hmm.
6: smoke. the story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal.
8: Need any more cartridges, Mr. Dillon? No. I got the greener loaded.
2: Unloaded. I don't want a shotgun.
8: Yes, sir. Do you... Want me to come with you?
2: You want to come? No, sir. I guess not. But I will. Better stay here, then, Chester. This make me a coward, Mr. Dillon?
8: How do you feel? Like a coward. Lassiter scares me, sir.
2: But you were willing to come anyway.
8: Figure it out for yourself. Good luck, Mr. Dillon.
2: Yeah. If, uh... I'm not back. Don't forget those reports have to be mailed tomorrow.
8: I won't forget. Uh, Mr. Dillon? Yeah? You ever get scared?
2: Sure. Better keep yourself busy.
5: Marshal? Mind if I walk along? Not at all, Doc. Uh, Yeah, kind of anxious to get a look at this new corpse of mine... Lassiter's sure done us a favor picking Dodge to die in. <laughs> this will put us in the history books for sure.
2: You're a little premature, aren't you, Doc?
5: Not a bit. Oh, maybe a little four-sided. You know, they say Lassiter's packing 18 slugs in 18 slugs. My goodness. He sure has been in a lot of gunfights.
2: Yeah, so they say.
5: Mm-hmm. Guess he's got the biggest gun rep in this whole section. Outside of maybe Ben Thompson or Wes Harden. And you, of course. <laughs> He's
2: waiting at the Ola Doc. You better not walk in with me.
5: Oh, don't you worry. I'm not sticking my snoot into no shooting. No siree. <laughs> hey, Marshal.
2: Yeah, what is it?
5: You are going to win, aren't you? I sure hate to work on the bodies of my friends. makes it too darn personal.
2: I'll do what I can.
5: You watch him close, Marshal. Don't let him pull a hideout.
2: Hello, Lasseter.
6: Hi, Matt. Been a long time. Yeah. Drink with me? Why not? Harry, two whiskeys. Harry, get up from behind the bar. Sure, Mr. Lester. Sure. <laughs> oh. Don't spill it. Leave
2: it on the bar, Harry. We'll pour our own.
6: Yes, Marshal. Yes, sir. Here, sir.
2: How's your shoulder, Lasseter?
6: Aches a little, bad weather. Still carrying your lead, Matt. There you are. Yeah. You should have killed me, Matt.
2: Maybe. It was a long time ago.
6: Matt, I want you to know I bear no grudge. But it has to be. I know. We're gunfighters, you and me, both the same. Yet not the same. But it's in our blood. That's why, Matt, that's why I have to brace you. I got to know for sure. There's
2: no grudge, Lasseter.
6: Your health. And yours.
3: Straight up?
2: Straight up. You call it.
6: Now. Oh,
5: it was beautiful, Matt. Simply beautiful. Was it? Why, yes, and it was close to... For a moment, I wasn't sure who... Yeah. Oh, Marshal... Your neck.
2: You're hit. Just a scratch. It'll be all right. But here... Just let, let it me. go. Go and get Lassiter. He's all yours.
5: Hmm? Well, of course. But... And
2: you'll be happy to know he's got 20 slugs in him now. I couldn't tell anyone, but the bitterness ice in my stomach made me sick as I remembered Lasseter as a friend, now dead by my gun then I got over it. I always got over it. The frontier code was a harsh one. I knew my job was one that had to be done if the West was to ever see peace. As long as killers like Lassiter lived, I'd carry a gun and use it. It was the way it had to be. Sometimes a man's dying was the end of it, and sometimes the beginning of something worse. Matt Dillon? Yeah. What can I do for you, miss? Die. Well, miss, I I don't know if...
1: It's Mrs. Mrs. Lassiter. Oh. You see? You've done quite a bit for me
6: already, Mr. Dillon. You've made me a widow.
2: Sit down, Mrs. Lassiter. Here, let me get you some no, thank water. You. I, uh, I didn't know Lasseter was married.
0: Would it have mattered?
2: No, I guess not.
7: You're just like all the rest of them. A killer, lusting for blood like a wild animal.
2: Mrs. Lasseter... Only
7: you're worse. You hide it behind a badge. My husband was in town less than two hours, but you couldn't wait, could you? You saw your chance to get a little bigger reputation. Matt Dillon, famous gunfighter. Matt Dillon, Murderer.
2: It was your husband that sent to challenge, Mrs. Lasseter. I'm sorry for what happened. And if I can help you no, in any way... No, thank you,
7: would... Mr. Dillon. I only came to tell you that you haven't heard the end of the Lasseter name. I'm going to see that you're stripped of that big reputation. And you're going to
6: die.
2: Mrs. Lassiter, is there anything I could say that you'd listen to? Nothing. And good day, madam. Till we meet again, Marshal.
6: So begins another Gunsmoke, high-level
2: drama played against the authentic background of Dodge City, the wildest and most colorful
4: town of the Old West. This is a portion of the second episode entitled Ben Thompson, recorded for potential sponsor previewing. When Gunsmoke was sponsored for a single broadcast on November 21st, 1952, by Chrysler Plymouth Automobiles, The show drew a respectable rating against ABC's This Is Your FBI. It was heard by roughly 8 million people. Gunsmoke,
5: brought to you tonight by Plymouth, with an invitation for you to visit a Plymouth dealer's tomorrow. Meet the new Plymouth and enter the big $25,000 contest.
4: Eventually, on October 3rd, 1953, General Foods post-toasty cereal Signed on as a sponsor. Post Coasties, the Heap Good Cornflakes, is proud to present Gunsmoke. But the sponsorship ended after December 26th.
1: It isn't often that a writer or any man is given an opportunity to destroy a figure he's always hated. A character that all his life has cluttered his landscape like a slum. And to be able to do so, and get paid for it to boot, is to be doubly blessed. My hated figure is the western hero who rides along thumping his guitar, nasally singing a synthetic ballad, and looking for all the world like a fugitive from a cheap circus. I spit in his milk, and he'll have to go elsewhere to find somebody to pour the lead for his golden bullets. Now, the best way to destroy something bad is to ride it down with something better. And I've got a guy I think outclasses any of these phony big hats. His name's Matt Dillon, and his hair is probably red if he's got any left. He'd be handsomer than he is if he had better manners. But life and his enemies have left him looking a little beat up. And I suppose, having seen his mother back about 1840, Struggling to take a bath in a wooden wash tub without fully undressing, left his soul a little warped. Anyway, there'd have to be something wrong with him, or he wouldn't have hired on as a United States Marshal in the heyday of Dodge City, Kansas. Dodge at that time was the wildest town in America, and it was populated by men just as warped and more so than Matt Dillon.
4: Consider this. The show continued, cost sustained by CBS. It would take a Hollywood A-lister's aversion to cigarettes to land gunsmoke its big sponsor. One who would reap the benefits of a program that by 1956 was the highest rated on radio.